the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Yes, it is, and welcome back as we head into our third hour. It's a delight and privilege to welcome to the show Jacob Sulem. He is a senior editor at Reason Magazine, always worth reading. He always makes you think I've been reading him for years. Uh, Mr. Sulem, welcome to the Airwaves of Phoenix, and thanks for joining us. Sure, thanks for having me. You betcha. Your most uh, recent piece I saw was an op-ed in the Chicago Sun-Times, the Biden administration's mixed messages on COVID-19 discourages vaccination. I have been saying this since they released their study last Friday on Provincetown. I haven't seen very many others pick up on what they did. Uh, So I was glad to see you did um, the same analysis I did. There were about 469 cases, as I understand the study, um, in the MMWR from the CDC in Provincetown, cases of COVID. 75% were fully vaccinated. Five hospitalizations, four of those were fully vaccinated. What more could undercut the messaging that the vaccinated are going to be more healthy when they get COVID and that the vaccinated need to mask? They said it was in part to prove that the vaccinated can transmit the virus. As you point out, the study doesn't say that at all. Take it from there, sir. Yeah, well, I mean, the first thing to keep in mind is that the vaccination rates in Provincetown uh, were very high. Like over 70 percent. Yeah, Mm -hmm. Yeah, so as vaccination rates go up, you're going to expect to see uh, more cases uh, involving vaccinated people. That's just inevitable. doesn't mean the vaccine is not working. Right. Uh, the most important uh, function of the vaccine is to prevent serious symptoms, hospitalization, and death. Mm-hmm. And even with the Delta variant, the vaccines are very effective at doing that. That's reflected in the fact that uh, vaccinated people account for a a tiny share of total hospitalizations and deaths, and that if you look among vaccinated people and ask what percentage of them uh, end up either in the hospital or dying as a result of COVID, and that's even tinier. You have to put a bunch of zeros after your decimal point Mm -hmm. before you get to the the percentage. Mm -hmm. Um, So so it's clear that it works in that respect. Mm -hmm. The, the, The point the CDC was trying to make is that nevertheless, it's not completely effective at preventing infection. And uh, there's some evidence that, that uh, when, when uh, vaccinated people are infected, they can spread the virus to others. That's what they're warning people about, and, and which is fine to make that point. But, but, but their new emphasis on telling all vaccinated people that they should be wearing masks and implying that, that they play an important role in spreading the virus, which isn't true, um, I think detracts from the overall message that people should get vaccinated. This is the main thing that, that we need to do in order to conquer this the pandemic and return to life to, to normal life. Um, and I think to emphasize the role that vaccinated people might be playing um, in spreading the virus, which the CDC concedes is a very, very small role, is a big mistake. Um, and, the, and they compounded that mistake by grossly exaggerating the risk that vaccinated people will be infected to begin with. 
the director of the CDC, Rochelle Walensky, did this, and so did um, the, the deputy director for oh, the White Ben House. Wakana, uh, right, right. But do yeah. either of them even really understand effectiveness percentages? I read the Ben Wakana tweet. Uh, it was right. a, it was I a think, little odd. I think he probably does not. Okay. Now he what he said was now he's trying to reassure people. This is the sad thing. He's yeah. trying to reassure people, and he says. If 10 vaccinated people ent- enter a room full of COVID, that's right. how he put it, right. then nine of them will come out and they won't have the disease. Right. And he thinks that's reassuring. That is not reassuring. That means <laughs> there's a 10% risk that if you go somewhere where there are carriers, even as a, even if you're vaccinated, that you'll be infected. That is much higher than the, the uh He's saying 10% of the vaccinated will, will, be, will, will, will attract the virus. From one encounter. Yeah. yeah yes, that's, yeah, not, that's yeah. not reassuring. Yeah. And that's, that's far <laughs> higher than the rates you see even even among unvaccinated people. Right. So in other words, he's implying that if you get vaccinated, somehow it increases your risk, dramatically increases your risk of getting of getting infected. Right. That certainly is not the message he meant to be sending, but that's what the implication of those numbers is. But that's, now, the, implication, that's the implication of the Provincetown study, too. It really is. Well, yes. It depends. What, it depends which numbers you, okay. you emphasize. Okay. And and they and I wrote wrote about further about this today. The other the additional point, aside from the, what is the, what is the risk that somebody is vaccinated will be infected? The other consideration is given that they're infected, which is unlikely. How likely are they to transmit the virus? And that that was the point the Provincetown study was supposed to address. Um, and if you look at it, it talks about an indicator of viral loads in in, uh, in nasal samples. And said that they were similar in vaccinated people and unvaccinated people. Right. And and the study itself is actually pretty careful about this. They don't say that means they have the same viral loads. Right. The study itself. Right. It says they might have the same viral loads. This is a rough indicator. There are other things that could explain it. It may not might not be true. And the other consideration is that even if they have similar viral loads in in those nasal samples, it doesn't mean that they were equally infectious. Um, and the, the the people the cases that they studied are are probably almost certainly unrepresentative because they are were overwhelmingly symptomatic cases which you would expect because those are the ones that tend to come to your attention right if you're not symptomatic you're probably not going to be tested so that's a big problem because what we really want to know especially when you're talking about something like universal universal masking right. you want to know uh, whether asymptomatic uh, uh, vaccinated carriers are going to spread the virus, right? Right. And this does not really address that at all because they they they, they did a comparison among basically among people all of whom were symptomatic. I mean, a small percentage were, were asymptomatic. Well, but uh, so that's, that's why I thought no that problem. was a weird study to release because the demand from Tuesday yeah. to Friday was show us the evidence that the mask, excuse me, that the vaccinated have to mask. That's what they put out. It doesn't say that. It just doesn't. It doesn't say right. that the it vaccinated does, transmit. In fact, in fact, they still haven't figured out whether any of those cases were caused by right. vaccinated right. people. Right, right, right. So they're still working on that. They don't even know. So, I mean, maybe they were, right? But they have oh, to do genetic be. analysis. Oh, it may be. We just don't have to, the study. Figure out. There's a yeah. lot of things that we don't know. Yeah. So, and, and, there, and by the way, there was a study that just came out from Singapore that, that undercuts this notion that uh, if vaccinated people get infected, they're equally as infectious as unvaccinated people. What they found was that this is looking at people who have are infected by the Delta variant and comparing vaccinated to unvaccinated people. And they found that initially, when they were diagnosed, they did have similar viral loads. And again, this is measured by those nasal samples. So mm-hmm. you have to take that with a grain of salt. Mm-hmm. Similar viral loads, loads initially, but among the people who were vaccinated, they declined uh, more quickly. 
meaning that they, assuming that they were infectious, they were infectious for a much shorter period of time. That's a big deal, right? Mm-hmm. So that, that right away indicates to you that, that they're not equally infectious, even if they are infected. And then, of course, you have to keep in mind that they're much less likely to be infected to begin with. So if you're trying to figure out the role that vaccinated people play in spreading the virus, you need to look at both of those factors. And the, the extent of their infectiousness is still unknown contrary to some of the headlines you yeah, may have read. Yeah. Um, and it's almost certainly not equally infectious. But then it's very clear that they're much less likely to be infected to begin with. And the CDC has said repeatedly that, in fact, they represent a tiny share of, of total uh, transmission. Um, so, so the focus on, on getting vaccinated people to mask up was really counterproductive in terms of encouraging uh, non-vaccinated people to go and get their shots because it's implying this doesn't really work. The vaccines don't really work. I agree with you 100%. I think we took 10 steps backwards uh, with asking the vaccinated to mask and in, in, in trying to get the unvaccinated to vaccinate. I know you have to go in a minute. Let me just ask you this, Jacob. I've been reading you for decades. You cover science and politics really well. Have you ever seen an instance or example, COVID being the one I'm talking about, that was more politicized? Uh, well, I mean, the, the routine, the stuff that the CDC routinely does is often highly politicized because it involves not issues they call public health issues that aren't really public health issues, right? This actually is. I mean, this is a, a no. contagious disease, which is the sort of thing they're supposed to be concerned about. But, but ordinarily, they're talking about all sorts of things that people do that might cause injury or, or sickness or death. Mm-hmm. All kinds of voluntary actions that people take, you know, obviously smoking, drinking, uh, you know, riding, uh, not wearing a seatbelt, not wearing sure. a motorcycle a helmet, helmet right. not wearing a seatbelt and all, all that. Um, the, uh, those, that really should not be part of the purview. And I would argue that because they've taken on so many projects that are not strictly speaking matters of public health, they're not doing the thing they should be doing correctly. They're just they're distracted from their central uh, that's mission. That's a big problem is, with our it, government. It, yeah, focusing on the yeah. things they aren't supposed to be doing and not being able to do right. the things they're supposed to. Yeah, Jacob Sullum, I know you have to go. I really thank you, though. I hope this can be a down point payment. We can visit more next time. Sure. Thank you. Thank you, sir, very much, Jacob Sullum, senior editor over at Reason Magazine. Much appreciated. Those on hold, don't go away. When we come back, we'll pick up. Right where you are. 602-508-0960. And I got to play a Cuomo montage for you. Remind me, Bill, to do that. Is there a song with fewer lyrics, less repetitive lyrics than Ain't No Sunshine When She's Gone? And you know my trivia point about this song. There has been more time since this song has been released than there was between this song and the Beach Boys' previous hit, which was in 1966. If that doesn't make you feel old, nothing will. Portions of the show brought to you by our friends at Cool Touch Air Conditioning and Plumbing and Heating. Forget the heating, obviously, but if you have plumbing or air conditioning issues, you want to use the company I use, my family uses, and my friend use, and my friends use. Let's get the plural right there. Cool Touch Air Conditioning. They get everything right. No games, great customer service. They do what they say, and they say what they'll do, and they'll be there on time. No waiting. Right now, Cool Touch also has a really neat product, new air conditioning unit that does not require the air conditioning unit to turn on and off the way most do, creating those huge 
surges of power needed to keep the air conditioning at the level you want it to be at. It's as if it has a dimmer switch so you are continually in the most comfortable living environment while you know you are getting the biggest savings on your utility bills. And if you go with that unit, they have a $2,000 rebate on it right now. But for that unit or any others and inspections, repairs, or plumbing needs 24-7, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, Cool Touch is available for you. Give them a call at 623-734-1932. That's 623-734-1932. Or visit them online at cooltouchac.com. That's cooltouchac.com. And tell them Seth sent you. Mike in Maricopa. Hi, Mike. Yes, good afternoon, Seth. Good afternoon. I got a couple... Got a couple of them. Uh, Beethoven's Fifth Symphony. Okay. <laughs> or Mozart's Ein Klein Nacht music. Okay, Ein Klein Nacht music. Okay. Yeah. Yep. But as Bill said, it's kind of hard to beat zero. Yeah, it's hard to uh, beat zero. There we go. And because you did say any song. I did. A couple, couple other ones, I would say Foreigners Cold as Ice. Cold and the Ramones did a song called Sheena is a Punk Rocker. And no kidding. Very repetitive, yeah. Okay. And all of those are probably less unique lyrics than Ain't No Sunshine When She's Gone, you think? I mean, we're going yeah, well, to have to run it the, through the, a machine to figure out. But. Yeah, the Ramones starts off and it's got a basic stanza and then it goes punk, 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 rocker over uh-huh, and over and over again. Uh-huh. Then it goes back to the very first stanza and then it finishes up punk, 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 rocker. It's like very, very basic. Uh, do, do you got just a couple more minutes? Yeah, I, ju- I do, but I, but I got to run another song possibility by you. Um, okay. Iron Butterfly, Inagata Davida. Inagata Davida. That may yeah. that that could be a winner. That could yep. be a winner. Okay. Yes. Next next issue, Mike. Okay. Uh, switch gears here. Uh, last uh, Monday, you were asking about books that have changed yeah, our lives. Yeah. 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 What book has ever changed your life? And I, I exclude the Bible because it's a different kind of book. Yes, sir. The Now, some of these authors, uh, they appear to me that they were very prescient, and maybe they didn't, quote-unquote, change my life, but they certainly changed my thinking, opened my eyes. You know, we hear a lot about homeschooling. Now, I was a product of, you know, public school, but after I graduated, I started thinking about things in a different direction. When did you so gradu- this- what year did you graduate high school, Mike? 1975. So public schools, by and large, in that era, were as good as some of the best private schools now. They really were. They, it was really a different level of education in America. It really was. Sorry. to uh, No, no, I, I've read that, too, that the, a lot of it started tapering off. I noticed that the other day when you had somebody on that they had recommended 1984. Yeah. And that... And they recommended like, Animal Farm. I suggested 84. But yes, anyway, yeah. yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, the, the required reading in when I was in school, it was 1984, Animal Farm, Fahrenheit 451. Me too. And, Me too. Me too. Several other ones. And uh, I frequently meet with somebody here in the community that's, I guess he might be in his, like, 30s, and said something to him. And he had never, not only had he never read 1984, but he had never even heard of it. And his child will never have heard of Dr. Seuss. This is the tragedy. This is the tragedy. Yes. 
Yes. Okay, so a real quick list about some of these people. Now, this first one is not necessarily a book. It was kind of a four-times-a-year publication. Uh It was called The Resistor by a uh, retired Special Forces soldier named Stephen Michael Berry. It covered a lot of different subjects. He was in the 1980s up until, oh, the the early 2000, 2001s or so. Okay. That was interesting. Also, uh, Seven Pillars of Wisdom, and a shorter version of that, Revolt in the Desert by T.E. Lawrence. Of course, yeah. uh, Better known as Lawrence of Arabia. Uh, Gulag Archipelago by Alexander Solzhenitsyn. Uh, The Art of Insurgency by Donald W. Hamilton. Uh, Counterinsurgency Warfare Theory and Practice by David Galula. Mm Mm-hmm. And War of the Flea by Robert Tabor. I, I kind of got introduced to a lot of these. Uh, I got, I read Hamilton's book, The Art of Insurgency, before uh, September 11, 2001, and then it it became all the rage to become enlightened of about. Uh, insurgency and everything with what was going on over in Iraq yeah, and that's Afghanistan. Right. So that, but I had also read uh, Seven Pillars of Wisdom. I don't. I remember I went to the movie theater when Lawrence of Arabia came out. I had never been to. My parents had grew up in the Depression, and we had a black and white TV. And we went over to visit my aunt in another state in the summertime, and his her daughter was all gaga about Peter O'Toole, and so she had already bought tickets. And we went over to this theater, and I don't know, I must have been maybe five, six years old, and we went into this theater, I had never been in one, and sitting in these chairs, and you know, it's like, what's this great big white thing up here ahead, and what's all this, and my sister's trying to explain to me what a movie theater is, but I was, I I remember parts and pieces of it, but you know, back when you're five or six years old, you know, you're barely exploring what's at the end of the driveway, let alone, you know, knowing what's happening a hundred years before you were born and halfway around the world, but uh, it stuck with me. So was uh, that, was was Lawrence of Arabia the first movie you saw in a theater? Yes, sir. So that's probably 1962, right? I think that's when it came out. Does that sound about right to you? Could that possibly be? Something like that, yes, sir. First movie I saw in a theater, you know what it was? Jaws. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's imprinted on me. Those things do have an imprint. There's a larger point. I, by the way, what was it about the seven pillars of wisdom that changed your life? Well, it okay. It, it was Lawrence was so far ahead of his time. Bear in mind that the internal combustion had just barely been invented. Yeah. Yep. And also airplanes. Airplanes yep. they have like over there with Rickenbacker in the in the Western Front. They were only, they only lasted like a hundred hours before they fell apart. And there was no. I, I think they might have had Sandhurst as a medical, or excuse me, as a military university uh-huh. for training officers. But Lawrence really wasn't. He kind of well, he wanted to get uh, enlisted, but he was too small and they first passed him off but then because then they found out that he had spent a quite a bit of time in his thesis that he had written over in the middle east and realized that he could speak very fluent 
uh, Arabic yep. and had traveled in that area extensively. So they brought him into the British intelligence. And so with with all that, and again, he didn't really have a military background. No, no, it's a literary masterpiece, Mike. That's a lot of interesting stuff. I appreciate it. I got to hit the break. I apologize for that, but thank you. Thank you, thank you. I'm Seth. We'll be right back. The sun is hot and the unpredictable monsoon season is back. And that means it's time to talk about your roof, which means for all your roofing needs, it's time to talk Trades Unlimited. It's the company I've used. I love Trades Unlimited for all your roofing needs. The damage done to your roof is constant. It's heat, it's wind, rain, even dust brings daily challenges to your roof over time and causes a lot of damage that you may not even know about. If your roof is 15 years or older... The underlayment must be checked now. At 15, year, 15 years old, that, under, that underlayment dries out, cracks, and then becomes susceptible to all sorts of leaks. Some you see, some you don't. Maybe for some of you, it's time to think about a foam roof. For those of you who have a flat roof, the benefits of foam are insulation from the terrible heat, the noise, and water leaks. If you already have a foam roof and it's five years old, it's time to have it inspected and recoded. But whatever kind of roof you're interested in, and if you are interested in new repair or inspection, Trades Unlimited is the company for you. Honest, great customer service, A-plus rating from the business, Better Business Bureau. Give them a call at 480-483-1775. That's 480-483-1775 or tradesunlimited.com. Joel is in Phoenix. Hello, Joel. Hello, sir. How are you? I'm well. How are you? Excellent. So uh, you said any song, and so I'm thinking uh, a song by the Champs called Tequila. Oh, that's it. That's the winner. That's That's it. Yeah. One word. Yeah. That's the win. That's got to be the winner. And by the way, I said any song. You're right. Normally, I would have said a pop or rock song or country. That certainly qualifies. You nailed it, Joel. That's the one to beat. All right. That's, I get a prize, right? You, you'll, we'll kidding. figure something out for you. Next time <laughs> um, you call, remind me that we owe you a prize, because we w- would rather okay. owe it to you than cheat you out of it. Uh, all right. Will do. Okay, and, Joel. And one afterthought, I was just thinking, when the Texas uh, Democratic senators all decided to go on their little uh, sabbatical, and uh, five of them were, is it six now that contracted? Yes, six of the six, six that we know of, six minimum anyway, yeah. So I'm curious, how many total number of senators went, and what percentage came down with the uh, testing positive for COVID, if the vaccine is that effective? They were all vaccinated. All six okay. of those were vaccinated. We know that every legislator from Texas that went to Washington was vaccinated. Six of them that we know of, if not more, acquired or attract, uh, you know, obtained COVID. Um, and God knows what they did in Washington, D.C. I know that Kamala Harris met with them, stood up and applauded them, gave them a standing ovation for leaving the state of Texas. Do you know what that standing ovation meant? It meant that she was applauding, applauding elected representatives who were thwarting democracy, who left the jurisdiction of their state to avoid specific arrest, all to avoid 
a specific vote on something they knew they didn't have the votes in the minority to stop. They prevented the Texas legislature and the people of Texas from having their constitu- from doing their constitutional duty and having their constitutional choices being implemented by their sacred vote, as the Democrats keep telling us it is. Kamala Harris stood up and applauded that cessation of democracy in Texas. Just, just so we're clear. Yes, we are. Okay. Thank you very much, Yes, sir. thank you, Pleasure speaking with you. Uh, first-time caller, so... Uh, well, you I now owe me a course. second so we can figure out your prize. Yes. All right, sir. Uh-uh. Thank you. You having a good afternoon. You do the same, Joel. Perfectly great call. Thomas in Phoenix. Hi, Thomas. Hi, Seth. Um, I was just thinking of the miniseries America with a K, I believe it was in 1987. Uh, okay, okay, I don't know it. Tell me a little bit about it. I know I know the effort to spell America with a K, and I know about the history of it. I didn't know there was a series on it. Yes, it was about that the U.N. turned over America to the Russians to govern. Okay. And they changed our money, made a whole kind of basically where we're headed now. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I, I, I just – the only thing I want to warn about conservatives about is we spent a long time and a lot of effort fighting the left to take that K out. Let's not, uh, let's not be the ones who bring it back. They're bringing it back in all but name. They really are. When it gets to the point – that we come back and take just power in the next election, we'll get rid of it once and for all, once and for all, with President DeSantis and Vice President Elder two years after that. Is this scary? And you think this has less lyrics than any other song. You may be right. You may be right. Gary Glitter. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) So my producer, Bill, comes in for the win. It's between that and tequila, right? I think so. Homework assignment. I'll close my show with it. If you can go to tabletmag.com, tabletmagazine, tabletmag.com, please read an article just up, How Americans Forgot Communism. It's written by a liberal. Her name is... Mary Mycios, former reporter for the L.A. Times. I'll give you her conclusion. When nearly 70 percent of college students believe that professors should be reported for saying something that students find offensive, is it surprising that nearly the same percentage of Americans are afraid to share their political views with each other? We are discovering the lessons that the Soviets and their victims learned long ago, that fear of social disapproval, especially when it's enforced by government and the media, breeds self-censorship and obedience and robs society of its ability to discuss and assess reality. When the monolith of progressive politicians, journalists, academics, experts, and self-proclaimed fact-checkers spent over a year excoriating anyone who considered the possibility that the pandemic began as a lab leak in China, it was hard not to think of the privileged Western press in Moscow in the 1930s, led by the New York Times' Walter Duranty, destroying the credibility of Welsh journalist Garrett Jones for telling the truth about the famine in Ukraine. 
For a lifelong liberal, it feels quaint to raise alarms about political movements that remind me of the communist era, like simultaneously pearl-clutching and red-baiting. Even referring to the words communist and Bolshevik as pejoratives makes you sound old-fashioned and uncool. But anti-communism was never cool. It was simply correct. It's time to remember why. Great, great, great article. I want to give it all to you as a homework assignment. Rob is in. Surprise. Hello, Rob. Well, hi, Seth. Happy Wednesday. And uh, great show, by the way. I uh, I was thinking about the uh, Joel Stole My Thunder on tequila. Um, uh, I And then you guys played that one song. Gary Glitter, Rock and Roll. What is it called? Rock and Roll Part 2 or something like that, I think. Yeah, something like that. But, I mean, that that's probably the winner. Um, we can't to- have it be the winner because the singer is such... An Andrew Cuomo. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Well, I, oh, I heard Mrs. There. Rob liked that one. Well, yeah. My she's, joke's she's killing a... surprise, honestly. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> no, it's, it's, it's great because okay. yeah, Mrs. Rob is surrounded by the dogs and she's making dinner and she's got dogs that are. Yeah. What's for um, dinner? Anyway, I, the I, audience I, I needs to know. You're going to throw that out, that out there. What's for dinner, Rob? Um, I think it's meatballs. Meatballs and toast or something. Sounds it's great. I love it. So it's, yeah. Good. Yeah. Italian um, meatballs. Now, yeah. Are there any so, other kind? Well, I'm, I'm not sure. Okay. Um, we'll have, well, there's Swedish meatballs. Yeah, that's, that's right. right. That's right. That's right. Good point. Yeah. Good point. Go ahead. Yeah. Sorry. Now, the, 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 I, I guess I need clarification on this whole masks on the students. In, uh, is that, number one, just in Phoenix City only? Oh, it's a great question. I know that it's um, I know that it's in Phoenix, and I don't know if there are other communities that are playing games with this. I don't know, Rob. Okay. it's a good question. And, and I'm assuming. Well, and I'm assuming this is in the public schools only. right? Yes, correct. Although the private schools uh, that I know of are also doing it, but by their own by dint of their own preference. And I don't think the order applies to private schools. I think it only applies to public schools. The, okay, go- the governor's so order, right? It's right. not a Maricopa County. No. Uh, no, no, okay. no, no, uh-uh. yeah. no. Okay, well, you know how I like to point out uh, in the current regime in Washington how uh, whether anybody can point out anything that regime has done that has been in our national interest or has helped everyday Americans. Or has, um, been, or has improved a policy that Donald Trump worked on and talked about. Well, exactly, and and so I, I the economy, I the border, at, foreign relations, national defense, COVID. Yeah, exactly. What so has I'm, gotten I'm better? Thinking, yeah, and so I, I'm thinking that same mindset should be brought upon anybody that thinks that masks with students having to wear them in any school is that really in our national interest. Or does this really help everyday Americans? Or is this instead something mandated by, you know, the, the teachers, unions? And, uh, and again, I mean, this is all just living in fear 101. Um, I just have a real problem with all of this. And my kids are grown. Um, but I, I just think parents need to fight back. Here, here, here's the, here's the problem we suffer under. Here's the problem we suffer under. Yesterday, Joe Biden said the bulk of constitutional scholarship 
is that an extension of the mandate would be unconstitutional and not su- pass Supreme Court muster. You right. wake up this morning to find out, despite saying that, his administration did it. The yeah. science shows that children are not transmitters of virus and not significant or anything close to the word significant victims of the coronavirus. That's right. That's the science. That's the science. We're told to follow the science. We're told to ignore that scientific fact. That's the world we live in. It is. But but again... Law be damned, science be damned. They don't care. They don't care. Rob, that's no. my right. You get this. This is my point about our team that wants to make an issue of the hypocrisy of Nancy Pelosi not wearing a mask, or the mayor of DC, Mayor right. Bowser, not wearing a mask, or Gavin Newsom eating at a restaurant mask. All that stuff. So it, sure, it's hypocrisy, but there's a bigger tell involved. It tells you they don't mean what they say. If they meant what they said, they'd be as fearful and as obedient to the, their own orders and their own alarms and excursions. And well, they aren't because they yeah, know they're telling us lies. They know they're telling us lies. Yeah, and that's a great point because I think they do expose themselves for not being interested in our, in our national interest, but in maintaining power. Absolutely. Think, Absolutely. Yeah, and I, I think your Congress people uh, that were on kind of exposed that as well. Rob, it's oh, absolutely favorite, true. Go ahead. Yeah, my, my uh, most influential book was Failsafe in seventh grade. Was that the book the movie was based on with Walter Matthau and Larry Hagman and Henry Fonda? Absolutely. Fantastic movie. Book. Oh, my gosh. I've never yep. read the book. It's a fantastic oh, it's, movie. It's even, it's even better because of the character development. I'll read it. You really need to read it. I will. But that's a cast, isn't it? Fonda, Hagman, Matthau. We'll be right back. Would have spaghetti and meatballs and uh, sausage on Sundays. I just I just heard perhaps the best summary of the life's work of Harry Jaffa, Robbie George, and Hadley Arcus on the natural law, uh, the natural law understandings of our founding, in the throat and mouth of musician Ted Nugent. I just heard him say what Harry and Hadley and Robbie have spent their lives trying to teach and teaching. He said, those sacred documents of 1776 and 1787 are just pieces of paper. I had those rights before those documents. I had the right to bear arms. I had the freedom of speech. I had the freedom of assembly before those documents. Absolutely right. That's why Alexander Hamilton could write in Federalist 84, I think it is, that here we surrender nothing. We surrender nothing because we were merely qualified. Excuse me, quantifying. We were merely quantifying the rights and reducing them to paper and positive law, the rights we already naturally had, the rights we already naturally possessed by being children of God, by being nothing more than human beings and nothing less than human beings. That's the important point to remember, nothing more than 
which allows us to act like gods, and nothing less than, which allows gods to treat us like animals or people who think they're gods to treat us like animals. The opposite interest, the opposite view is what leads to slavery, fascism, and communism. It's a lot to think about, but I think Ted Nugent put it well. He knows his Hamilton. He knows his James Wilson. There is nothing new to the world that James Wilson, one of our great and important, most important of founders, said that we were inventing new rights with our Declaration and Constitution. We weren't. We were codifying natural rights, rights that inhere because we're human. Neither gods nor animals shall we be or tolerate. Until tomorrow, God bless you all and class dismissed.